maybe you can share a little bit more about what you consider as conscious culture or conscious leadership. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I always have done business that I felt passionate about, that I cared about what I was doing, that I felt I was doing something good in the world, um, you know, and I wanted to make money and make a living and all those kinds of things. But as I went on this journey of remote work and started really like opening up to working in different ways, and I think it goes beyond just working remotely, but really working flexibly and really trusting people to just do their job. What I started to understand as well is if, if the business is existing for, you know, the betterment of some aspect of, of society or whatever, and we find the right people who care about that same thing, that is the intrinsic motivation. We don't need to be kind of motivating them in all these other convoluted ways, which there are millions of business books about how to, you know, remunerate people the right way and do this and do that. And I think ultimately I learned along the way that people want to do work that they care about. They want to feel that when they show up every day, the thing that they're working on is actually doing something good in the world, that their life matters, that they are having a positive impact. And if you can provide a place for them to be doing that genuinely, authentically, um, the rest kind of just falls into place. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess the interesting is I just, my own journey of evolving my own self-awareness, consciousness, whatever you want to call it, obviously continued to filter in and play into business and I can just continue to question things and I continue and still do to come into deeper alignment. And I, I, you know, I remember the days of like, oh, I'll have this business and I'll support this charity. And somehow that means it doesn't really matter what I'm doing in my business as long as I'm like doing some good over here. And I transcended this idea of like net positive. I was like, no, it should just be everything we do should really have a positive impact. Um, and I just got to a point where I was like, I don't really understand why we would be doing any kind of business if we don't think that it's good for people or good for the planet. Um, and just having a positive impact. Obviously the whole entire world is not in that place, but it is beautiful to see that there is a shift and a transition and a trend toward that. I mean, the question that I asked myself and that I posed to people is if you can't make a living, make money, make whatever that kind of reciprocal energy that you experience with the world. If you can do that while contributing in a positive way, why would you not? Like it's not, you don't have to choose. You can for sure be rewarded financially or whatever means makes sense to you in your mind um, for doing things well. And I think that was an idea that was you know, at one point that idea didn't exist. It sort of felt like, well, you do this over here, you go to work, you do your business or whatever to make money so that you can go and follow your passion and do good in the world over here. And that's just a limit. That's just not truth. Like anything that we do, we can be rewarded. And, and in fact, I think more reciprocally, I think that, you know, the natural laws actually support us doing good in the world. Like that's, that's nature, I think, is the reciprocation of, of doing good. Right. So I, I hope that 
the world is evolving more in that direction, but I, I really think that that's what it is for me. It's, it's thinking about everything we're doing in business and is this actually serving? What's important to point out, and this is probably a big rabbit hole conversation, but our current systems and structures aren't necessarily set up to, like if you are operating within the legal frameworks that exist, Technically, most companies' constitutions actually say, you know, you exist to make a profit for shareholders. And that is the most important thing. And that is why, particularly bigger companies that have shareholders that are beyond just the founder of the company or what have you, you know, at, a, at some level, they are answerable. Or at, not even at some level, at every level, they're answerable, answerable to that company constitution, the bylaws, whatever it might be. Um, that says that's the top priority for the business. And I think that's like something that we need to look at uh, generally in legal systems or hopping out of those systems altogether and finding new ways of being and new ways of doing things where you can actually prioritize other, um, other things than making shareholder profit. So that's like a big conversation, but yeah, it's something I that I came to realize because I do have investors in Gromotely and it's, it's always been, you know, I've really great investors who are very on board with the vision and the mission and all of that. And so we are very much a purpose-led conscious business. But like the truth is that we always have to remember as well is like, wow, in our actual constitution and all of that, like that's actually the number one priority. Thankfully, everybody that's on the journey wants to make a difference and make an impact in the world as well. But yeah, we probably need to look at, generally speaking, like new structures and new systems that actually support that um, because that's where the conflicts start to arise for business owners and particularly these bigger companies and things. Yeah. Would you be, uh, I think we should go down that rabbit hole and, and kind of, you know, kind of see if we can just parse out some different ideas that might be options as far as how do we replace this system of shareholder beholdenness uh, of of every single company and and again mm. i think i think what capitalism has done very well is it's figured out how to distribute capital to places that need the capital the areas that need the capital mm. what what has kind of seemed to have gone wrong is that the profits are the only driver for where that capital is going instead of taking a little bit more of a holistic approach and saying, is this good for society? Is this good for the population that it is uh, being used for? Is it good for the um, you know, natural resources that it is using? Is it using them in a, in a manner that is appropriate? And, you know, there's, there's, um, mm -hmm. there's, the ESG, which is, I think, trying to address that, but it's, I don't know, what, what is your perspective on that? Like, what does a system look like that starts to make more sense that is more in line with nature? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love that. I mean, and I'm not an expert on any of this stuff, but I have a personal interest in it all. And I like to just play mind gymnastics around all of it. And I think 
it's really crucial for us to always remember that the legal system that we operate in is just a made up system. Like it was all just made up and it continues to be made up and we opt into it. You know, we agree to it when we, when we go online and we set up a company and we press all the buttons and put our credit card in, the, all the papers get sent to us and we sign them. We're like, oh great, our company's set up, now we can start operating. Like we just agreed to operate within a system and a structure and all of it was written out for us. And sometimes, oftentimes, like that's just the easiest, most practical way of, of doing things in this world that we currently live in. But what I continue to question with my, within myself is, well, if I want to be a part of creating new systems and part of a new world, then I actually need to stop doing that at some point and start, you know, finding these new ways and new systems and new ways of being. Um, like I said, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't have all of the answers um, within this. I'm not a lawyer within this current legal system that we operate in. But, you know, technically I, I feel that we could draft our own constitutions. We can draft our own bylaws. We can draft all of these things ourselves and then, or with the help of a professional, but have then us as the shareholders or whoever our shareholders may be as, as if they are, if we're having investors, they're agreeing to a different set, not just like the templated standard stuff that's out there. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's an idea. Obviously, we do have different structures like B corporations and 501c3s and then there's the 5081ca, I think it is. And there are other structures that exist sort of for these purposes. But um, And B corps probably, B corporations are probably the best where it's like you're you're still a for profit business, but you're for purpose, and your purpose is your highest. Um, that's your kind of guiding guiding light. So that's really, I think, the thing to look at that exists within current systems for anyone who might be listening. Um, but you know, a not for profit isn't necessarily the answer either, because it. I mean, it you may be penalizing yourself where you could, it kind, it kind of comes with this idea that it's bad to be making money and to be rewarded and reciprocated um, mm. for the work that you're doing in the world. Obviously, there's also a lot of dodgy stuff happening in that world as well. Um, but yeah, I also have a personal interest in some of the like natural laws and getting out of the system altogether, but I'd don't necessarily feel that I'm like the best person to speak on, on all of that. But just remembering always that, you know, these are just made up systems and structures that we, we kind of agree to. Maybe there are other ways, maybe we don't have to. Right. Yeah. Natural law is definitely something that I, I love kind of researching and getting into again, just making it as simple as possible, you know, 10, 10 laws that, that basically govern everything. And that's, Seems to be. I, I I was listening. I was at a meeting last night, and um, it was on conscious capitalism. And uh, the case study is kind of Netflix and how they have. Basically, there are no rules in Netflix. There are no. Um, there's no s systems necessarily in place, other than you know, at, at some point, if if you're doing, um, you know, reporting, if you're doing, um, you, you're. You're budgeting, basically. 
there's 10% of the company that pretty much gets audited throughout. And if, if they're, if they find something, if you're being malice with your budgeting or your expenses, you know, you, you basically, there's a one strike policy and you're out. So maybe you get a warning the first time, the second mm -hmm. time, you know, they let you go. And, and this is one of the larger companies in the world right now. And they, that's how they're operating. They're operating from this idea that we hire the best people and we allow them to do what they do best, which is make good decisions and make good decisions directed at mm -hmm. here's our purpose. Here's what Netflix's purpose is. And then they allow those people to do that. And it, seems to be working. I mean, they went from a company that was, you know, uh, they put Blockbuster out of business and then they took over basically the streaming network uh, within five mm -hmm. years of entering that that business. And mm -hmm. uh, again, they had that purpose. And yeah, and they're arguably still anonymous with streaming Netflix. Like you kind of think they're the number one brand right. you think of. Yeah, and they're a for-profit business. They have shareholders. They they do all of that as well, but they also are playing by these new rules. And um, I, I think it does require a board that's a little bit forward-thinking. You know, you can't have a board that is only in it for for maximization of profits, which I, I don't know. It, it's kind of like put, trying to put the figure out which is the cart and which is the horse. Is it the business is becoming more conscious or is it the humans that are involved in the business becoming more conscious and how, how do you approach that problem? So I, you know, just something to pose. I always think of like the business is its own conscious entity in a way, like the business actually, once it's birthed and it exists, it now does exist, but there are all these people that are also contributing like every single person in the company even customers shareholders you know really everyone is contributing at some level to the energy of that business so I think yeah I don't know it's the chicken or the egg but hopefully the people kind of guiding shaping contributing at at, at all the different levels of that business if if their consciousness is evolving and expanding at the same time then the business can maybe maybe the thing is the way I think about it then is like the business can reach its fullest expression can be what it can fully be um but I always feel like the business has its own energy as well when it came into the world for its own reason and purpose as well Right. And that was that we kind of talked about that. Um, basically, the culture of the business typically is summation of the 10 first people in that company. And that then it if it's not guided by by conscious decisions by that company, that culture will remain the same. Nothing will change without some type of energy going into it. So a conscious decision to, OK, here's what our culture is going to be next. And um, you know, the, the saying that culture eats, um, eats strategy for breakfast. strategy for breakfast. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, that the, the, the culture of a company, just like the culture of a society is going to dictate how a majority of the humans that are in that business or society are, yeah. are going to interact with each other. Yes. I, I really see that. And that goes back to what I was sort of talking about earlier is if the company does have a strong purpose and kind of values slash operating system, whatever language you want to put around it, that's kind of 
showing people like, this is why we're here. This is what we stand for. And this is how we do it. This is how we do it together. People can be very free within that container to bring their genius um, and to bring everything they are. And so that you don't need to be strategically motivating them or, or what have you. Like they'll just show up and it's like, this is where we're going. This is what, why we're going there. And this is how we do it. People can go on that journey and be a part of it. And I think that's really where culture does eat strategy for breakfast because like arguably, I mean, I have a strategic mind. I've been an entrepreneur for nearly 20 years. Like I could go into anybody's business and just be like, probably give some kind of valuable strategic advice. I'm not going to, you know, whatever I could, I could say something, but like if the people that are working there don't really care about the business and what it's doing and don't really like the founder or each other or what have you, or they're just there to get their paycheck. I mean, you are basically then foreseeing a strategy. You're going to meet a bunch of friction immediately and resistance because you're going to be putting something new in place and people are already not really that engaged. And now they just have to like learn and do something new. That's just like annoying for them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the whole entire exercise will be like a force energy, like a push kind of energy. Whereas if you have this really amazing cultural alignment, then you can kind of be strategic or not within it, but it's going to be flowing in that direction, if that makes sense. And that doesn't mean we don't put strategy in place and we don't kind of move toward things. But I, I kind of think of it as well as like that kind of mass, where's that balance of masculine and feminine? Typically in a for-profit, profit highest goal model, it's just a very 100% masculine energy to be operating in. And that is vast majority of the business world that we have had for the last however many years. Um, but we are moving into this more conscious type of business and people are asking these kinds of questions and new frameworks are coming up and it's it is allowing for more of that yin yang energy to exist within the business where like there's nothing wrong with having structure and strategy and kind of coming together and deciding like the direction and then all moving toward that but having that free flow that can exist within the framework can be really really powerful as well and also allowing I also think of the feminine energy, like that receiving energy, that like the channel. So like, are we, are we creating space to actually be connecting with the conscious entity that this business is not just the founder or the leader, but everyone there, is there enough space for that business to like channel through to these people, like where it wants to go and what it wants to do is that, is that opening there? And if we're just a 100% strategy, 100% masculine, then at some level, we're analyzing and we're interpreting, but we're not listening. We're not opening to what could come. So that's a beautiful balance that I see as a potential for the future. Um, and I mean, presently, businesses are doing that. I think that that's what I do. I think that a lot of people are out there doing it. And that's what we're starting to see open up more balance on this plane, hopefully, um, of the masculine and feminine. Right. Do you the old way is holding on as well. It's definitely holding on for sure. Now, do you see um, like a clear roadmap to, let's say people start this next generation that starts starts businesses, the the you know Gen Zers that are that are coming out of their out of college or they've been in the 
um, they've been in the workforce for five years or 10 years and they're like, all right, I'm, I don't want to do something that doesn't mean anything to me. And we see that with quiet quitting. We see that with, um, you know, basically people stepping away, exiting, going on, going to businesses that offer remote, that offer, you know, a better work-life balance. Um, is that the way that we see we that this whole thing moving or is there still going to be room for these masculine dominated businesses and it's going to kind of be basically two parallel systems that are going to operate for a while until maybe one wins out and and you know the winning out really is which system amasses you know the most either profits if that's how we're continuing to measure the success of a business or you know if people start saying and this would be this would go into profits but if if people if consumers start saying i'm only gonna i'm only gonna opt in to work with businesses that have a purpose that are you know at least somewhat aligned with with creating a more sustainable future that are aligned with benefits for their employees and that's you know that starts to win out over the the old systems where it's it's more masculine based so you know what does that kind of roadmap look like to you it's it's such a tough one i mean the optimist in me says consciousness is rising this is an amazing time to be alive we're going in these new directions and and that translates into business and everything, you know, everything in this, in this realm, really everything we're talking about. Um, and then the other part of me goes, or are we splitting? You know, is that what's happening? Is there like a splitting happening where like, cause do you ever have that experience where I'm sure everyone does, where you like find yourself at dinner, for example, and you're having a conversation and you're like, we're literally living in different realities here like different universes different like it's so different mm -hmm. that that is the splitting like at some point you've split off into this different way of thinking being experiencing um and the people person environment that you are in is like in a much more denser different reality and and I don't want to be like better or worse or anything like that but you you can recognize it because you were there, you know, at one point and, and you've taken this different path. And when I look at remote work, for example, like sometimes it feels like that, right? Like everyone kind of went off with the pandemic and went remote and everyone saw it and it was really cool. And then all of a sudden you see, yeah, this full on embrace, open, wow, we can do business so differently, everything's so different. And that's like our path forward now. And then you see this, contraction of like okay pandemic's over let's go back to offices let's go back to all this so I don't know you know the optimist in me really hopes that consciousness is rising on this planet and that we are going to transcend some of these denser frequencies and vibrations and this like the victim energy and the fear energy but and and I think honestly if I'd had this conversation a year ago I would have been like yes that's what's happening it's amazing and I've had to make more space in my life for, or in my consciousness, I guess, for like the light and the shadow and that it, I don't know, maybe it always just exists, right? And I don't know like how it shows up and maybe we, I, you know, I think the, the patriarchy and all that is, 
that energy is over. I mean, I had an ayahuasca ceremony where she told me, like, because I always, I, I, I was a woman who was fighting for women's rights and I wanted to be seen and valued the way, not as the same as a man, but I wanted to be equal, equally valued. I wanted to be just as valuable. And, and I had a ceremony where she said, you don't have to fight anymore. It's already happened. The energy has shifted. The fight is on the other side of people holding on. And that was such a beautiful, like closing to that ceremony. It closed a chapter in my life where I just put it all down. And I said, I don't need to worry about it anymore. I just need to be. Um, but does it become a new energy of this versus that shadow versus light? Like I, I don't know how all this stuff works. I don't know how this whole, what is this life? What is right. all of it? I don't know how it works, <laughs> but I do love having these conversations. Yeah. Is it, is it just a game? Are we in this, like the most complex video game that's ever been devised and this is an experience and again there's there there does seem to be fundamentally there is something above our understanding that has some say in what is happening on the planet right there you know you could call it god you could call it the universe you could call it consciousness you could call it yourself because again we're all consciousness experiencing itself through a different lens through a limited perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're calling ourselves separate from each other. And that's kind of, that's what I mm -hmm. think is happening on the planet. We're moving away from separation consciousness where we're all separate from each other. Yeah. And then moving into a more unified consciousness again, where we don't have to have rules and regulations. And, you know, you don't shoot me because it's against the law. You don't shoot me because I am you and you yeah. are me, right? Like it's very simple rules that we need to have. Again, the natural laws uh, kind of come back into that. So it is interesting. And I I have this this conversation with myself all the time as well. Like is the is the shadow always going to be an aspect and we just have to kind of work along and be the good shepherd as people? And, and maybe it is more, it's less about, the the light and the dark and it's more about the ascension together and that's how you stop the duality like the the massive swings from back and forth it's more can we create a system where we're all ascending together instead of ascending at all different levels different speeds different rates and that's kind of that's what for me from my perspective seems to be this massive breakdown in society right now is that there's there's people who are ascending whether it's spiritually, um, you know, materially, they're, they're ascending at a very different rate than everybody else is. And it's, this is the, instead of going back and saying, hey, here's how I did it. They're just saying, well, forget about them. I figured mine, I got mine, I'm good to go. And I'm going to figure out how I can hold on to as much of this as I possibly can. Um, because again, still viewing things as separate. So as we go, it's it's kind of like that in the spiritual world as well. Like there's a bunch of people who are ascending to these high levels of spirituality who understand fundamentally what this reality is, what what consciousness is, what we're experiencing, why we're here on this planet. But, you know, they're sharing and they're trying to get this information out. But for whatever reason, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's not catching on to as many people as I think a lot of those people would hope that it would. So now we have to kind of go back into the back into the density, back into the the shadow and 
again, just shine our light, just be a guidepost and hope that as many people come along. But yeah, the, the whole idea of the splitting of timelines definitely seems, it continues to seem more and more real the, the further we go along into this, into this transition that, that maybe it is uh, about this splitting of timelines and whoever's ready to make this move, make this ascension move to another level gets to go to the next level or, or chooses to go to the next level. It's not like, you know, we we're picking and choosing, like you have to do the work on yourself mm -hmm. to get to that next level. Um, but again, I, I don't know. I wish I could, I could say with authority. The thing that comes to me is like, you just said it, right. We have to do the work on ourselves. And what, what I always come back to when I think about these big picture elements and aspects, like say I'm like furious that a company would, you know, dump oil all over here and then lie about it to their shareholders because they don't want to get caught and whatever. And then I think, well, have I ever done something that I was so ashamed of? I lied or didn't tell the person. I'm like, oh, yeah, I have, mm -hmm. you know, it's not how I choose to live now, but it took a lot of work to integrate things that I had my own deep shame around. And even still something will come up and I have the courage and the bravery now to have that conversation or face that thing, but still might take me a little struggle, a little internal work to get to that point. And so I think it's also obnoxious and, um, like false to not be looking at what is within us when we're looking at what is without, because no one, I don't know how many people really are walking around. Like no one's a hundred percent light, perfect from day one. They popped out that way and you know, <laughs> whatever, like we're all on this journey and the journey is integration. And what I keep coming back to in my own life is, which is still, you know, I'm experiencing myself as separate in a lot of ways and I'm, I'm aware of that and I'm always wanting to expand and evolve into someone who is feels more interconnected and interbeing but what I continue to come back to is the only option I have to make change the only option that I the only option that exists for this shift to happen is for me to shift it within myself mm -hmm. for me to integrate my own shadow and light and accept that it exists accept that I'm still going to have blind spots I'm still going to have moments where I, my heart closes down and I can't stay open to the world because I'm hurt and it's hard. And there's no point in me running around saying everyone should be love and light and blah, 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 and just be perfect when like, that's not my lived experience. Sometimes my heart shuts down. Sometimes it's really hard to open it back up again and reconnect, but that's the work. And if I'm doing that work and I'm doing that work to integrate my shadow, then trusting there's a ripple effect. Um, and that's like the ascension that you're talking about is that I'm evolving and growing and expanding and becoming more interconnected with everything that is as I go on that journey. And if I am everything that is, then arguably everything is also integrating and expanding. I don't know. Does that resonate? Yeah. I mean, that's, that is a, a, a daily question that I ask myself. It's, it's, again, the, the thesis is 
the only work to do is on yourself. The internal reality is basically um, shining out into the external world. The external world is a reflection of the internal world. That's that is the fundamental understanding mm -hmm. that that when you get to a uh, a level of consciousness like that we're all creating our own reality. And even though we all have the same inputs, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, you could you could have 10 people watch the same thing. They they view it from a different perspective with different lenses and different backgrounds and all of that stuff. So again, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know, like, is it that we all come together and we all are creating this reality and we're all creating it, co-creating it together and that's the work that needs to be done? Or is it really just a, a single player game and we're all experiencing it? Um, because that's a... There's a there's a channel called Bashar and he talks about this pretty often that essentially what we are doing with our human VR goggles is every second we are switching based on our vibration into a different reality, a parallel reality that exists separate mm -hmm. from the reality that we just experienced and separate from the reality that we're about to experience. Mm -hmm. So if you can change and bring your vibration into a a level where you're experiencing that fundamentally day in and day out that that external reality that reality that you're existing in begins to change so if if you can keep your vibration high enough throughout the day no matter what happens on the external world you keep that vibration high you will begin to change the parallel universe the parallel reality that you're experiencing and this is this is kind of where quantum mechanics is getting to a point where we start to understand that consciousness is creating physical reality and not the other way around. Physical reality, consciousness isn't an emergent property of physical reality. Like the human mind isn't actually creating consciousness that we're experiencing. It's actually consciousness is creating the experience that we're having and we're viewing it through this very narrow perspective, this very small lens of the human VR goggles that we're experiencing it through. But at the fundamental level, you know, we're just playing this video game as the totality of consciousness of the universe to see, okay, how deep can we go into separation without getting sucked down into that? And, and then, you know, again, with the splitting of timelines, like, do they split every once in a while just because so many have gone down a a uh, separate a separation conscious road and we have to kind of split that up and restart it and and give it a you know basically um take the game out blow it off and put it back in and restart that game again and and that's kind of what this video game is uh that's that's what it feels like to me right now that we're in this period where whatever it is that is creating the reality above us is taking that video game out just like we used to with uh super nes like super nintendo you know you blow the game out hopefully it works put it back in and then turn it back on and say all right full reset let's let's start this game over and see where we're at mm -hmm. and it's interesting like what's happening at the same time because it's fucking hard I think to stay like this for generally for us all to stay connected to 
source and what we know and this expanded kind of idea and state with certain things that are existing within this current experience, like social media as an example, or um, alcohol and substances, or, uh, you know, name anything that like kind of sucks you in and creates this separation between, it could be work, mm -hmm. cities. I mean, I live in nature on 72 acres. I, we only moved here. We've had the property for year and a half, we only moved here a month ago and it's already like shifting so much in me. And I see that like when you live in a city, you're literally, there's a slab of concrete between you and nature. There is like the entire city is pretty much covered in, in concrete. And so, and depending on what city it is, that's, you know, even more intense than, than others. Like you could live in New York city for 10 years and not put your feet on the grass. It would really not be hard to, for that to happen. And that does something to a person and to this experience. Like I think the antidote for so much of what we're talking about is to be in nature and remember that we are nature and there is a natural order of things, but there's so much that is sucking us into um, the separation and oh, like AI and how that's this AI thing is like, really really crazy like yeah. i have been off social media for a couple of years i don't i haven't watched mainstream television or news for over 10 years i now live like a <laughs> kind of hermity not really i travel and stuff but you know i i live in nature and i have been like following this ai thing a little bit removed i think because i just haven't been as entrenched and i'm looking at it and wondering and it's a big topic of conversation, of course, but like for real, the advantages and leaps of it don't like it just as like a social media creator, for example, like now you can, you're, you can make videos of yourself that are not you talking. You can produce a hundred a day if you want. And like all this content can just get, but I'm like, but if everybody's doing that, like, what is the difference? And like, at what, like with the velocity and where does it end and where does it go? And what is the actual point? And when we're selfish in our separation and we go, oh, great. Like I can, um, create more content and it's going to be better and faster. And we're not really thinking about, but like, what does this mean for the whole entire freaking world? Like what who's are we watching doing? that? Yeah. Who's, Why who's watching it? it? Right. And it just feels like that's just an, it's like, like the pace of it and the rate of it. I'm like, wow. It's like the energy of keeping us separate is like grabbing. It's like, it's speeding up because of maybe this timeline splitting or something. And AI is just like part of that to me. Yeah. It does seem like it's, it's a, um, it's an exponential growth of essentially, uh, this is from my perspective. It's exponentially increasing whatever the consciousness is on the planet. It will increase that exponentially. So if we're in separation, it's going to exponentially increase the separation consciousness of the planet. If we are in a more unified consciousness, mm -hmm. if we're, if we've come together and we start to realize, oh, like actually, if we just use AI to do the things that we don't want to do and we don't use them to, you know, whatever, create millions of pieces of content mm -hmm. that will be watched by robot users on 
that really means nothing to anything. <laughs> like you're just you're just wasting all your time and energy trying to do this. Um, you know, and, and it, it really benefits first movers and then anyone else after first movers, there's absolutely no benefit. And then basically all of the people that come in after are taking away from those first movers. And eventually it, it just evens out to basically net zero would be my assumption. Um, but yeah, if we're conscious mm -hmm. of the use of AI, it can be this super powerful tool that allows us to, instead of going to work for 40 hours a week, we go to work for 10 hours a week and we enjoy the work that we do. And we're all creating a better place, a better humanity, a better um, existence on the planet. There is, we don't have to vie for it as we start to solve bigger and bigger problems because people are more involved in the solving of the problems. They're not stifled by idea, you know, their ideas aren't stifled because it doesn't fit into this perfect box of how we've done things for the last 30 or 40 or 100 years. You know, as we start to solve those problems, people can focus on what they need to focus on or what they choose to focus on. So some might be spiritual development, some might be consciousness, some might be, again, going to uh, a Catholic church for for 20 hours a week. You know, we we get to kind of decide what we want to spend mm -hmm. our time doing instead of taking, hopefully, you know, maybe Sunday morning. And that's the only focus that we have on trying to understand why we're here, what we're doing, what the purpose of this life is. And trying to, you know, that kind of be the focus of our existence instead of how do I, how do I get mine and then maybe I'll focus on that kind of stuff later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's just also a really good way to sort of like expanding the energy that exists. Um, I, I, I always think about the, I'm sure it was like the industrial revolution when you know, machines are invented and things like that. And the first thought was like this opportunity that people didn't have to work as hard as they had been, you know, they didn't right. have to like be manual labor and long hours, factories. And now we have like all this, you know, machines that can do these things. Um, but then that's really when advertising and consumerism was invented because instead of, um, going great now a machine can make this thing that people buy one in their lifetime no now we're going to make those things that you have to buy a new one every five years like a refrigerator or something like that I don't know I'm, I'm kind of yeah very much just paraphrasing <laughs> what happened but instead of going okay now we only have to work four hours a week in factories because these machines are for us no we now work actually more because we've driven up this materialism culture and you know advertising and marketing and so, yeah, I hope that, I, and maybe it's the splitting again, maybe some people embrace it and, and others don't, but I see a world for sure where if we can like uncouple, really work from what it has been, like making money and um, hours to, inputting hours to get money out kind of thing and just starting to see it as this integrated part of our life because we're doing something that we really love and then we're receiving reciprocation in return. And sometimes we might put more hours in because we're doing something really exciting, like launching something or whatever. And other times, you know, we don't. And can we run companies in that way where we give 
our teams that kind of freedom, that kind of leverage. And um, we have to get out of the more mindset as business leaders. We have to get out of the, oh, well, if there's free space, if somebody's able to do their job in 10 hours a week instead of 40, we better find 30 more hours of things for them to do. Like, can we be brave enough to say, great, you know, good for them, good for this company. Can we get our companies to a place where they're, you know, providing a really great income for ourselves and our team and our shareholders or whatever in return for the work that we're doing in the world and just be there? Like, can we do that? And we have such a like more, 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 faster, faster, faster culture. I think that's a big letting go that needs to happen. I mean, that's really what's destroying so much of our society. I think of community, of natural resources, all sorts of things is like this mindless just pursuit of more. Um, And I think if we can embrace and start to glorify more of the the pursuit of reciprocation, the pursuit of that kind of interconnected, interbeing reciprocation. And can we be working toward getting to a beautiful, harmonious place with that and maintaining it? Like mm-hmm. that become the goal, right? It's like, oh, we went a bit off track. Let's come back. Oh, things are dragging a bit. Oh, we got to pick up a bit. Like how could that become our center? Right. Yeah. That's, again, just kind of be becoming conscious of your actions instead of doing things completely unconsciously because that's how they've been done for, you know, whether it's your lifetime or the last uh, four or five generations, you know, this is, this is kind of the, the consciousness that, that we need to experience and not in a, you know, woo woo, you know, become conscious of source and understand where our place is in, in the cosmos. It's becoming conscious of every action has a consequence and really understanding those consequences and being aware of the consequences that you have in every single aspect of your life and that's that's where i think and like what do we really need you know i think that's a really important question that we could be asking ourselves i had a really interesting experience over the period of owning this land we we bought it um a year and a half ago or a bit more and when we first bought it I I noticed myself having these fantasies about and imaginations about how we acquire more land. And I don't know if anyone's read the surrender experiment, but he talks about that. He got this land and then like five years later, got this land and that land. And now they've got all this land. And it was just all very divine. And so I was like kind of in that kind of mindset of like, oh, wow, like there's some other beautiful properties around, like imagine over time, like we'll acquire them. And then I have really been diving into permaculture and I was listening to a podcast um, with, or it wasn't even a podcast, it was like a recording of Bill Mollison, who is kind of the forefather of permaculture. He's from Australia. And he lived on, I think it was 100-ish acres, so similar to our size with 20 families, I think it was. And he was talking about their food forest and where all their food production was. And, you know, they created this amazing place where they all had enough of everything food and you know they really didn't have much money or use much money they just they didn't interact with the world as much as I understand it they asked him on the show about money and he was like I don't really need it like we have everything but one of the things he said in it was about 
the size of where the food production was, was 10 acres. And he said, well, I don't really need more than that. It'd be too much to, you know, for our size community to manage. Like that's, that's all we need. And it just changed everything in my mind. I was like, what am I fantasizing about getting more land for? Like, that's just such a pre-programmed idea. I don't even know what I'm going to do with it. I'm literally going to make a food forest on like five or so acres of the land that we have here. We have so much more than we need. And I started being like, well, we could maybe sell half of our land because we don't need it. Somebody else could use it and enjoy it. And it was like such a switch. Um, But that's what I'm trying to embrace and embody so much more in my life is just, what do I need? And and get out of the unconscious striving that is just a programming of, of our society to keep us enslaved in the system as a robot, always striving for more because one day, when we get it, everything is going to be amazing. And rather say, what less do I need? Like, what do I have enough of that I can be grateful for? And what less do I need? Mm, Beautiful. Well, Sarah, this has been a wonderful conversation. I am very glad we got to have this today. Um, For anyone looking out for remote jobs, uh, where can I send them to check out Growmotely? Yeah, just jump on growmotely.com and hop on the job board and you'll see all of the current openings um, for remote work all over the world. Beautiful. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Maybe we can have another conversation in another couple of months uh, based on, you know, how the development of your property is coming and, and maybe do something along those lines. Oh, I would love to. It's it's definitely a, a passion and heart-centered place for me. So I'd love to share more about that with you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Joe. It was great to be here. Yes. You too. Take care. Thank you again.